0: hello and welcome to the recovering from religion podcast our mission here is to offer hope healing and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief what follows is the audio from selected videos posted on recovering from religion's youtube channel so sit back relax and enjoy
1: well we'd love to welcome rob palmer to our RFRX discussion today. Many of us know Rob and we appreciate the hard work that he's been doing with recovering from religion as well. And thank you, Rob, for making yourself available today. It's great to have you. And just for of background, Rob Parma, he's a skeptical activist who writes for Skeptical Inquirer, which is a well-known skeptic magazine, as we know, a well-known skeptic um, community. He writes about contemporary skeptical issues. He's interviewed conference speakers, scientists, TV personalities, sceptical and atheist activists. He also takes a special interest in combating the dangerous belief in psychics and mediums, hence that backdrop you see behind him there. And he educates the public about the harm that often befalls vulnerable victims who might put their trust in people who claim to have these abilities. So we'd love to hear how you can help us today, Rob. Thank you so much for making yourself available.
2: Uh, Thank you, Sasha and Eric. Yes, it's uh really interesting and different to be on the other side of this and i'm uh, appreciative that we have 80 plus people here it's a little one, uh, wondering about that because this is certainly not the normal type of topic that rfrx has been doing uh but i hope you find it interesting so i have given this presentation you
0: know, rob, you know what rob um what is interesting about uh, your topic here is for me personally, as I was transitioning out of religion, one of the things, one of my stops along the way was this belief in psychics and ghosts and um, all of, you know, even like Bigfoot and aliens and those kinds of things. It was one of those uh, stops along the way. And I think a lot of folks go through that. And so this topic uh, is, is something that I feel is, is uh, going to be good for, for the, the folks who are uh, watching, the folks who would come to RFR.
2: Very cool. Yeah, so I've, I've given this presentation at, I uh, uh, must have been like about eight times at this point to small Zoom meetings or large Zoom meetings and, and in person at conferences. And in fact, the next time I'm scheduled to do it is at, people have heard of DragonCon in Atlanta on Labor Day weekend. So that this is sort of a dry run for that, I think. Uh, that's going to be in person, surprisingly. I when, I when I signed up for it, it was a pretty good shot. It was going to be virtual because that was back in December. But now they've opened it up. They're limiting it to only 50,000 people and not the 80,000 that normally go to DragonCon. That that number's freaking me out. So the topic, as you know, is psychics are real, how we know their claims are true. What? Wait a minute. Nope. (laughs) There's people who can manipulate matter by their minds are always screwing me up, but I'm going to use technology to fix it. Okay. So we're going to talk about why we believe in psychics and what's the harm. So interestingly from the poll, Uh, I want to mention that I I looked at it while it was accumulating, and uh, this group is um, on a lower belief scale than I would have expected, which in my opinion is a good thing. Um, It looks like pretty much the first question was the ability to see the future, 24% are either yes or maybe. Um, On average, that might be closer to 40 in the American population. Communicate with the dead is is lower than that. At 15, either yes or not sure. So we'll talk about that a little more later.
0: I want a world where the purported psychics no longer act as parasites on the grief-stricken or mislead time-sensitive investigations.
2: So that's a a voice that a lot of people here might be familiar with. And uh, put in the chat if you think you know who that was. So I need to say up front that the views and opinions expressed in this presentation are not necessarily those of anyone else that are recovering from religion just in case I say, say something that gets people in trouble. Um, the outline of my presentation is I'm going to give a, a very quick intro on myself, why I believe this topic is important to the people in um, not only RFR, but you know, anyone who's leaving a religion, what is the harm in believing in psychics and mediums, how I personally got involved in presenting on this topic, um, and then cover the issue. but. Well, you know, you, you've shown us some where they're fake, maybe, but they can't all be faking it, can they? So we'll talk about that. Talk about what is the size of this, of this psychic industry and uh, who's to blame for people believing it at such a fair a, a large rate. And finally, what we're trying to do to combat this problem. So, and about uh, five years ago, I joined a, a project called the Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia Project, and I became a skeptical activist. We interject science and skepticism to articles on Wikipedia having to do with uh, paranormal, religion, all, alternative medicine, things like that. Uh, a few years later, I was hired as a columnist for Skeptical Inquirer magazine, uh, which is billed as the magazine of science and reason. And I work with people there who investigate and counter paranormal claims through the scientific and conspiracies. Uh, And as I mentioned, I've done presentations uh, on this topic and other ones uh, since I would say 2018. So I'm part of the skeptical movement that educates people about subjects such as this. So what is the skeptical movement? There's a Wikipedia article. And basically it's a social movement in some cases it's called that, based on the idea of scientific skepticism, which involves the application of skeptical philosophy, critical thinking and knowledge of science and its methods of empirical claims while remaining agnostic or neutral to non-empirical claims. And I have a, a few quotes here from fairly famous people on the subject. So Carl Sagan said, Science is a way of thinking, a way of skeptically interrogating the universe with a fine understanding of human fallibility. That last part is very important. If we're not able to ask skeptical questions to interrogate those who tell us that something is true, to be skeptical of those in authority, then we're up for grabs for the next charlatan, political or religious, who comes ambling along. And we can all think of uh, where that would apply in politics these days, and it certainly applies to religion. And Carl Sagan also said, for him, it is better to grasp the universe as it really is and to persist in delusion, however satisfying and reassuring. And that could apply to religion or any other claim that doesn't really have any evidence of any reasonable nature to back it up. Daniel Loxton, perhaps less well-known, but he wrote this uh, not too long ago in 2013. He said, scientific skepticism is a practice of studying paranormal and pseudoscientific claims through the lens of science and critical scholarship and then sharing the results with the public. So that last part has become very important in the current time because scientists don't generally do that or don't do it well. So this is the purview of skepticism these days. So now we're gonna talk about why is learning about the danger and believing in psychics important for people leaving religion? Dr. Stephen Novella, who hosts The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe said, "'I think that when you are raised to believe in life after death, angels, pseudoscience, and uh, demons, ghosts, other religious science, then paying someone to speak to the dead and get messages back isn't much of a leap. And, and I find that to be very true. So I'm gonna be talking about this person. He's a psychic fraud private investigator several times in this ad. Uh, and he told me in an interview I did with him, I've never come across a case where an atheist got taken by a psychic. He did say, I've never had a case like that. I'm not saying it can't happen, but I haven't seen it. And he's had a lot of cases. And Bob Nagar is in fact a religious fellow. So on the other end of it, this is what the people who are trying to uh, convince people that powers like this are real say. This is a famous person, James Van Prague. I think in other generations, the 50s and the 60s, people went into religion and they were really involved with religion. I found that religion doesn't answer certain unique questions people have about faith and belief, which of course is true. But the thing is, he writes books, he's a best-selling author that claim that he has the answers and people like that, you know, in this field all do that. James Van Praag also said, because our consciousness doesn't die at death, we carry our mindset of thoughts and beliefs with us to the other side. As in life, so in death. When we cross over into the other dimensions, we continue to create experiences through our thoughts the same way we did in life. Well, you know, how does he know that? But he's claiming it's true. And I mentioned before what the belief structure in uh, Americans is, and here's the Pew poll from 2018. So all adults, it's uh, a little over 40% believe in psychics. They broke it down into the Christian religions for some reason and within them it goes from 33 to 46. And uh, the really interesting thing to me there is nothing in particular, people who don't um, say they're part of a mainstream religion but won't call themselves atheists or agnostic are higher than the average by quite a bit. And the only really good inoculating factor is if you admit Uh, can admit to to a poll anyway, that you're an atheist. So that number is higher than I would have thought, but still it's uh, like, you know, it's 10% instead of uh, 40% of the population of those group of people. So I keep saying that there's a harm to this. So let's talk about what that harm is. I'm going to give you some real world examples. And these are all cases of the private investigator, Bob Nygaard, uh, and they're documented on his Wikipedia article as well as in newspapers across the country. So the names at the top is also, is always the psychic. It's not the victim. In most cases, the victim's name is withheld. uh, It's confidential. So a few years ago, this is a Massachusetts psychic. She was arrested for stealing more than $70,000 from her client. She told the client that her daughter was possessed by a demon and she would need to purchase her daughter's soul back. So here you get the religious ideas that are influencing the person and you're able to con them. Um, Milanovic claimed she could relocate the demon into a Barbie doll. I don't think that's biblical. Brid- Bridget Evans is uh, another... Can I just
1: ask you a question on that one, Rob? So yeah. $70,000 that was going to be spent, um, did the demon require that $70,000? Um, what was the <laughs> reason that it costs so much to relocate only, that soul into the Barbie?
2: Only if you're calling the uh, the psychic the demon. <laughs>
1: funny how money comes into it sorry yeah. to break your flow <laughs> well,
2: no often in, often in these things what happens is they ask for money because they're going to do special things with special incantations or special rituals with the money or jewelry or things I like see. that Yes. Yeah. I see yeah
1: thank you
2: so Evans convinced victims that their money and valuables contained evil spirits again and she could vanquish if they were in her possession and she was sentenced to five years of probation after taking a plea deal uh, and then served 20, 37 months in prison for fraud in 2011. And, and as you'll hear later, that's very rare, actually getting uh, prison time. Uh, she was recently charged with fraud for a third time after being accused of scamming victims out of nearly a half a million. So that's not unusual at all. These people make a career of this. They go in and out. If they even get arrested and sentenced at all, they go in for a short time, they get out, and they keep doing it. Del uh, Delmaro, Priscilla Delmaro, convinced a client that, this is really a sad one, that the client, which was a male, and a woman he was in love with named Michelle on the internet, who wouldn't give him the time of day, were twin flames kept apart by negativity, very poetic. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of dollars over many years, and then the object of his affection, Michelle, died. So then, well, you'd think the scam would be over, but it wasn't. Michelle's death did not end the scam because Priscilla Demaro convinced her client that she could reincarnate Michelle's soul into another person's body. And by the time that ended, it was $700,000 from this one person. She took a plea bargain with a sentence of less than a year and no requirement at all to pay the money back. Sherry Ioanniewicz, she said a witch had placed a curse on her client's entire family. And only she could, of course, only her could prevent harm coming to them all for a price. This was a seven-year scam. There was a Brazilian female in the United States going to medical school. And she paid Ioannowicz with money from family inheritance. She sold her house. She quit medical school and became a stripper to make more money, Uh, $1.6 million. And Ioannowicz was sentenced to 40 months in order to pay restitution. The sad part here is whenever one of these happens over this length of time, it's not a short-term thing, and they're ordered to pay restitution, the money is not sitting in their bank account, and it's not recoverable. So the court says give the money back, but it's, it's been farmed out to friends and family and it really isn't recoverable. So this is the last one I'm gonna be talking about here. Gina Marie Marks. This is kind of a special case because it went on for very long, her career. She has her own Wikipedia page with that name. Uh, in 2010, she was tried for defrauding a client out of more than a half of a million, and then was sentenced to 18 months in prison. And again, supposedly forced to pay restitution. Eight years later, arrested again and convicted, this time for stealing more than 340,000 from from five victims over three years, sentenced to six years in prison in order to pay restitution. And this is just a short summary of her arrests and convictions. Um, This was such an interesting case that CBS aired an episode of its True Crime series in 2018. And uh, it starred Bob Nygaard, the detective I told you about. And there is a picture of their uh, promo. They actually tried to hire an actor to play him and uh, it didn't go well according to bob they said no one could play uh, a, a bob like bob could play bob so bob got the role and more recently this was this year there was an, another series called the con where they talk about people who've conned people and there's an episode called uh the psychic con and again bob Nagard was featured talking about some of his cases so who are these victims um you saw one of them at least was a medical student so there had to be some intelligence there right it doesn't really matter if you're a college professor if you're a lawyer doesn't matter if you're a medical doctor even you're on their territory and they know how to take advantage of that this is a quote from you know bob who knows these things um what is the magnitude of this problem well in just 10 years Bob Nygaard obtained the convictions in 40 cases and recovered 4 million for his clients. And that was a small portion of what they actually were ripped off out of. Like maybe it was two or three times that. So some individual losses are small, though perhaps not to the victim, but some are huge by anyone's standards. As you saw, some even go into the millions of dollars. Certainly people have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And sadly, most losses are never recovered. And some are not even reported. That is that is an amazing piece of this story. So how can people fall for this? And this is another quote from Bob Nygaard. He says, these cases are all psychological manipulation under the guise of assistance. They sell false hope to people. And that's a very powerful product when you're a person that is desperate. And, and this takes advantage of the sunk cost fallacy, which is one of the many informal logical fallacies. So the deal with this one is, if I stop now, um, I would have to admit to myself that all that money I, I put in was wasted. And so I felt like I just had to keep going, uh, that maybe it would just all come true. That, that's what keeps people paying for years, one of the things. As I mentioned, some of the cases don't even get reported. Well, why would that be? Uh, And this is another quote from Bob. When the veil drops, victims face financial wreckage, but a lot of people call them and they just want to tell them what happened. They don't want to go forward. They're too embarrassed. They don't want to see their name in the paper. And the psychics know this too. Um, So there was one case where a victim lost, I think it was a quarter of a million dollars called up Bob, told him the story, and then Bob said, okay, let's start to see, investigate this, see if we can bring a, a case. And, and the victim said, no, I don't want my name in the paper. I'm just telling you so maybe you can save someone else from this. He said the $250,000 is not worth as much as my reputation at my university. So then the question becomes, well, what about the cases which dis- do get tried? What about you know obtaining justice? Isn't there a law for fraud? Well, in fact, psychic readings are illegal in all of New York state. 90 days in jail, but Vice reported, even as Manhattan becomes more and more unaffordable, fortune tellers have flourished in even the wealthiest neighborhoods. And in a lot of cases, all they have to do is put a little, little tiny sign, fine print in the window, you know, under all the giant signs about what they're gonna do for you, that this is for entertainment purposes only. And victims often cannot rely on the legal system for justice. There's trouble at literally every step. Filing a complaint, you'll walk into a precinct, you'll get laughed out. Who told you to give them the money? No one put a gun to your head. Uh, you know if they let you file a complaint they have to go and try to arrest the person they might have been gone already or maybe they don't even bother then if it does come to that is the prosecution going to want to take the case is a jury going to convict them when hey you just gave them your money with no gun to your head so the real sad thing is nygaard gets he says four to five requests for help every day and many victims don't even seek justice due to the shame as i said and part of the problem is in many cases even if uh Possibly they would be willing to go forward. They didn't keep records. There's not enough evidence uh, to bring to a case at all. Um, and as I mentioned with some of the cases I showed you, some people, even if they do get arrested and prosecuted, they get a slap on the wrist and then they just continue to apply their trade. So I'm gonna talk about one last case because the, uh, the sentencing actually happened last week. So this is like a fresh case. This is, uh, she was named Psychic Zoe. She claimed that she needed to use money and various items to perform her rituals, as I mentioned to Sasha, to vanquish evil spirits and demons, there's those religious words again, and curses that were allegedly plaguing the victim and various members of the family. So uh, in 2018, she was arrested for conning 20 clients out of more than a million dollars over five years. In June, 2021, hey, that's this month, she took a plea deal to serve five years probation, which means no jail time, and to return just a tiny fraction of that stolen money. And here's a screenshot of uh, the New York Daily News. Basically, you know, the, the victim saying crime pays, what's wrong with the system here? Um, there's actually two people who are sentenced at the same time. They both got five years probation. And uh, in fact, the, uh, the, the psychic, Thompson, bragged that she should have been a lawyer or a judge. She knows more about how to game the system than anyone else. It's The second part of that, um, this is one of the victims saying, she convinced me that my son being tormented by evil spirits and was causing all the relationship problems we were experiencing. And, and, and this is what happens. And then the uh, Manhattan DA um, basically gave her this, that slap on the wrist. And the victims is calling this a travesty of justice. And the victim is saying, this is what we've learned. Crime pays and very well. And then Thompson, of course, when she was uh, in front of the judge said, oh, I don't have any kind of psychic powers, uh, you know, and everything I made made up, but she'll go right back to doing this. So now I'm going to tell you how this became uh, a personal to me. So I didn't know anything about this topic. Uh, you know, some relatives had gone to a psychic and paid them a little bit of money for a psychic reading. And that was uh, the most I knew. I didn't believe in any of it. But. Uh, I was driving home from work and I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts of the time, Skepticality, and they were interviewing the psychic detective, Bob Nygard. So I got home and I looked him up on Wikipedia. Here was a Wikipedia article, but this didn't exist. So I was a member of that team I told you about. So I wrote this article. Uh, so I, you know, I thoroughly researched him, all the national press he had gotten, and, and put all of this together. Uh, when I got hired by the Skeptical Inquirer magazine, what I did is I reached out to him uh, and met him for the first time. And then I actually wrote an interview article too with him and I learned a lot more and published all that online. So what happened then was because my email address is in those articles, people Googling, as you can see at the top, psychic, fraud private eye, got my articles with my email address in them, including also my Wikipedia article. And then I started to get emails. So here's an example of one of them. This person lost $42,000. Uh, she's saying, I, I'm suing this person in court. I have to represent myself because she lost all her money. Uh, she conned me out of my entire savings account. Please reply. This was like a gut punch because I'm not part of the legal system. I don't have any way to help this person. She sent me the civil summons uh, where they had asked, uh, I think, let's see, Savannah Tennis, if that's the name of the psychic, is being sued in court. So what you might notice here, this is a civil summons. This is not in her jurisdiction a felony. It's not a crime that, that that they would arrest her for. You have to sue the person with a lawyer to get your money back. It's ridiculous. She also sent a lot of handwritten material uh, that she sent to the court about what she had been uh, extorted out of. So, of course, I told Bob about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, that's when he told me he gets four or five of these a day and he's only one person. No one else is doing this kind of work specifically, by the way. So the one thing I did was I wrote a special article just on this subject. It's basically the topic that I'm talking to you guys about here to kind of, uh, you know, put this all in one place, the problem that exists, belief in psychics, what's the harm and who's to blame. And once that was out there, I, I'd get more email. And so this was another person saying she met a psychic five years ago, scammed out a lot of money. She was asking for Bob Nygren's contact information and I gave it to her. So this is an indicative of what happens a lot. She then, after talking to Bob said, I decided to stay anonymous as my family is concerned for my safety. See, we're gonna let it go. So she didn't tell me how much she lost, but whatever it is, it's gone. And this happens a lot too, because the psychics know that you're very unlikely to come after them. So, so I showed you those interesting cases. And then if, if you're one of the, what was it, 24% here who said they believe or, or are not sure, you might be thinking, but they can't all be artists." I saw an amazing psychic medium on TV. I went to one in person and my dead uncle came through uh, another one, a psychic predicted my future correctly. How can I say it's all fake? Um, Eric, would you like to read the cartoon? Yes, that sounds
0: good. So there's a psychic with a crystal ball on a table sitting across from her client. And the psychic says, I'm getting a message from your mother. She says to tell you, you're an incredibly gullible
2: woman. <laughs> Unfortunate. So Um, this is a fantastic episode of John Oliver's TV show, and he did it uh, back in February last year. And I'm going to play how he opened it up. So this is an interesting take on what he did before he talked about the same problem I'm talking about now.
3: Before we go any further, I'm not going to be litigating whether psychics are real in this piece. For one, they're not. See, no litigation required.
2: So I'm gonna go a little further than that and actually explain why, why I and skeptics and scientists don't think it's real, right? First off, big letters, no one has ever proved they can do this. There's a thing that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And there is no extraordinary evidence for this. There's not even a very good evidence. Psychic mediumship paranormal claims have been investigated and have never been found to be authentic by unbiased researchers, meaning people who don't have skin in the game and want to prove it, including Harry Houdini, James Randi, and a name you might not have heard of, Susan Gerbick. You'll be seeing her a little bit later in this presentation. Uh, Besides the now defunct recently $1 million paranormal challenge, which was run by James Randi and it ended when he retired and he's actually passed away last year. Uh, there are 25 other prizes to be won that still total over $1 million in this world. Uh, the Center for Inquiries Independent Dep- Investigation Group currently has the largest of those at a quarter of a million dollars to prove any paranormal psychic ability. And if you know someone, you get a referral fee for that $5,000 if they prove it. Um, and in fact, you don't have to take my word for it, look at Wikipedia's list of prizes for evidence of the paranormal. That's the name of it. List them all there. Um, so why has no one proved they can do this? I, I've talked to people I, I know who believe in these things and they say, well, real psychics don't need the money. You know, they don't have anything to prove. Why should they do that? Well, my pushback on that, if they don't need the prize money, then donate it to you know, children's cancer research. That's the most selfish answer I've heard. Um, or how about the importance of turning modern physics on its head and winning a Nobel Prize and proving to everyone that there really is a spirit realm in an afterlife? I think that would be a worthy thing, a reason that someone who doesn't need the money should go and prove it. Um, Here's another one. This applies to myself because until recently when I retired, I had a classified security clearance. So we're warned about not talking to certain people. If people approach you on vacation and ask you questions about anything, we have to report that. There is no warning, don't ever go see a psychic. Like if the US government knew that this was real, which people who believe this sometimes claim, you know, you know that would be a big thing. And the, sec- and the second thing in that category, psychic detectives don't actually help solve crimes. They write books that say they do the people who are psychic detectives. And when those are actually investigated, it's just made up. Bob Nagard. I asked him this in one of my interviews. Yeah, no, he worked in New York City uh, you know, department for, for his whole entire career before he retired to be a private eye. Not once did they ever use a psychic detective. So if that's true, if this is all nonsense, then how do they convince people that this stuff is real? How do they fake it? So I'm gonna first show you, uh, it's called cold reading tricks. This is, this is the predominant method that's used.
3: If I claim to be a psychic and guess that someone in a crowd knows a John Smith, nobody would be impressed. But did you know that James, not John, is the most common guy's name in the U.S.? Who is James? Who had the Jim in that family? Or the James?
2: Is the Jimmy or James connected?
3: For girls, the most common name is Mary.
1: The name of either Mary, Margaret.
2: Is there a Mary person, like a Marie, a Mary? Got a connection to Mary. I'm getting... Marie, Mary, Maria. And who is the MR name? Mark, Mary, Marie.
3: While people are more impressed when a psychic guesses an exact name, more often than not, psychics just guess an initial.
2: I feel he's a he's like a J. He's also showing me a J, J.
3: Why can't they just talk? Why does it got to be there's a J name, there's a this. Well, because even when guessing the most common guy's name in America, these vultures still get misses. No. Yeah.
2: Is he J A or J U or just or is he not John or Jay? I I don't know the name. J, J, J-, J- e. Je- Jerry, Jeffrey. Jez. 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 Okay, close Jez. enough. Probably, I don't know that I get that. Term. No, no. Because no. I, or the James. So, uh, if, if the bottom uh, citation is obscured, you will be able to see the uh, links for this in the uh, announcement for this presentation. I'm sure they'll also be put in the chat, but this is Holy Kool-Aid's channel. He's got a fantastic series on uh you know debunking psychics so i has another um little cartoon for you to read eric that this is uh john edward by the way one of the most famous psychic mediums
0: this is a meme uh, meme format it's got john edwards on it does anyone here have a dead relatives whose name starts with any letter of the alphabet
2: (laughs) So I think uh, Elon
0: Musk's daughter might start with a a number or something like that. Ooh,
2: a whole nother category. (laughs) All right. So beyond the cold reading tricks, which are tons of books that teach people to do this, by the way, it's kind of a fascinating technique. Uh, I'm awful at it, but I know a lot of people are really good at it. They can make you believe they have psychic powers. Um, Another technique that is used is hot reading. And this is kind of more insidious because this is not a skill uh, or convincing you of something that's not true. This is when people have information on you to begin with.
1: Most
3: people don't realize just how much information about them is publicly available on the web. When people buy tickets online to psychic shows, at bare minimum they enter their full name, billing info, and email address. You may be thinking that a spineless con artist can plug that info into a people search site or a private investigator software package to glean public records including a person's address, phone number, marital status, criminal background, and more. But they don't even need to do that. In a packed out audience, there are bound to be at least a few dozen people with no Facebook privacy settings set. Sites like Ancestry.com reveal the names of relatives as well as family death records. And tools like Google Maps and Street View show cross streets, neighborhood info, and even details about what a person's house looks like. Knowing this, is it really that impressive when a psychic says that they're seeing a red door? It's even less impressive when a psychic does a reading of any kind of celebrity figure whose information is publicly accessible all over the web. I.
2: Um. So, another uh, insight into uh how we really understand this is not real, is uh, people who've come out of the industry and have been turncoats essentially, kind of like Scientologists who come out and tell you the truth of what's going on in Scientology. Uh, Mark Edward was the premier performer at the Psychic Friends Network, if people remember that, 99 cents a minute or whatever it was. He was you know risen in the ranks. They wanted to do a TV show concentrating on him. And uh, everyone believes he had psychic powers and he was just there to learn the ropes and to see, you know, how other people were doing it and everyone was just faking it. And this is his book, it's actually been released recently in audio format uh, where he talks about that whole story. It's quite fascinating. So in spite of no evidence existing that any of this is real, this is what this industry makes, uh, $2 billion, and this is rather old data already, 2015 to 17. Oh, and this and some other data I'm gonna show you now is from the American Federation of Certified Psychics and Mediums. So if they're certified, you know, they're legit. And um, now this part, please don't take it as career advice. Anyone looking for a a new career? Average psychic, according to that industry in uh, 2017 or so, made uh, 75 to $150,000. Whatever they classify as reasonably successful, half of a million, and the names that you see in those shows on television, the clips that you saw, um, 5 million plus. So even this industry, the, uh, the, the uh, Federation, I mean, American Federation of Certified Psychics and Mediums admits to 200 million being outright scammed. I, I don't know how they come up with that number because it would have to be just their, their members and uh, it would have to be something that was admitted to. And clearly a lot of the cases I was showing you before would not be you know recorded here. So this is an interesting fact that uh, for some reason the belief in psychics and mediums is very gender specific. Um, so I have a table here which shows four columns this, the money spent on a psychics in a single year going from a thousand to five to ten thousand dollars then the number of women who have spent that amount of money and the number of men and then the gender ratio and if, if you're spending in the thousand dollar range say it's a six to one females to males spending it that's still that's fairly large right off the bat but if you go to the exorbitant amounts of money over ten thousand dollars now it's you're getting close to a thousand to one and so this is not a surprise to anyone who's ever been to one of these reading events or watched them on television i mean it's almost all women maybe a few men scattered there because they were dragged there as you know partners another cartoon eric
0: There's a psychic or a medium that's been uh, just uh, waving her hands over a crystal ball and cross it from the patient. And uh, there's a pile of bills sitting on top of the table. And the psychic is saying, you're
2: very bad with money. Very good. Uh, So now I'd get to the next part. Like, who's to blame for this? Why is this, you know, such a problem? Um, well, human limitations, uh, memory, people forget like what happened in a reading, perception, biases, reasoning, there's a whole bunch of things. Memory is a big one. People will come out and say, oh, they knew that my, uh, my husband, my dead husband was in the Air Force. And if you play back the recording, because sometimes people record these things, maybe the medium said, oh, I'm seeing a uniform, postal worker, UPS, some kind of military. And she goes, yes, yeah, Air Force. But in the person's brain, the medium said, your husband was in the Air Force. It's quite fascinating when you see this thing at work. Um, definitely a lack of critical thinking courses in early education. That's just not a thing. Uh, and as we saw in the pupil, religion and spiritualism definitely comes into play. Uh, it's heavily weighted towards religious people believing it. As I showed you the quote from Steve Novella, I mean, if you're raised to believe in an afterlife and spirit world, it's a lot easier for someone to say, hey, I'm in contact with those. And then also in a religious environment, it's group reinforcement. Like other people around you believe it, well, it's probably true then. And I'm gonna spend the rest of this section talking about the main reason in the current day and age, which is the media and it's especially television. So, Every cable station seems to have its own person, uh, which you know it's it's this is a the Learning Channel which hurts me the Learning Channel Teresa Caputo, and the, the shtick there is she's an average mom from Long Island and she helps individuals connect to the spirits of their departed loved ones so the Learning Channel is saying this is a fact not hey it's an entertainment show uh, we'll go to E which at least is an entertainment show but that has one of the bigger shows on it Hollywood Meet with Tyler Henry. And he says he demonstrates how to use his unique gift of communicating with the other side to bring comfort, closure, and hope to his Hollywood celebrity clients. This is a big problem because he does sit down with people like the Kardashians and Matt Lauer and people who, who have a voice. And you know, if he convinces them they've talked to a dead relative, they go and say that to the press. That becomes a CNN article. This fellow is fairly new. Uh, Thomas John, you will seeing a lot of him in this presentation. Uh, Lifetime, he was the seatbelt psychic. He picks up rideshare passengers and reveals he can communicate with the dead relatives. He then got another show, the Thomas John Experience on a different network, CBS All Access. Thomas's journey across America using his ability to connect unsuspecting everyday people with those on the other side. Again, you know, no hint of this is entertainment. And you might've heard of this one, Meet the Frasers. This is closer to a, like a personality or reality show but it's billed as Matt Frazier is just like us, except for the fact that he was born with the sight. Hear his journey from an EMT to America's top psychic medium. And the really unfortunate thing, these shows dedicated to a single medium are just the tip of the iceberg. There's countless appearances of psychics and mediums on daytime TV. They're given like free reign to perform their acts. Sometimes the shows are edited to only show the good parts. They're unchallenged by people who know what they're doing and the tricks they're using. Here's a montage also from the Holy Kool-Aid channel. Nope, sorry, this one is from last week tonight. Caught myself there. So this is from John Oliver's show. My next guest started communicating with the dead when she was just a toddler. She's a wife and a mom who also happens to talk to dead people. Please welcome celebrity pet psychic. Our next guest is a clairvoyant to the stars. We're back with a group of friends who share a very unique bond. They are all psychic. And that's a cardiac surgeon, Dr. Oz. Thank you, Dr. Oz, for being uh, so gullible. And the person uh, to his uh, right to uh, our left screen is Gwyneth Paltrow's private psychic medium who we'll talk about in just a bit. So beyond TV, there's other influential media outlets, print online, they join in the selling of this to the public. Anthony William is billed as a medical medium. He's given a platform. He's lauded by Gwyneth Paltrow's juggernaut, the lifestyle brand goop. And this is what Gwyneth says on it about him. Anthony William is one of the most unconventional and surprisingly insightful healers today. He's the voice of a divine spirit called spirit. The voice of a divine spirit called uh, force called spirit guides him to identify the roots of his patient's heart diagnosed illnesses. And find the best solutions to restore their health. Why Anthony William and Gwyneth Paltrow are not taken up for medical malpractice, I have no understanding of. And maybe someone who's a lawyer here can explain this in the chat. Um, So there's the uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's medium on the right side that I mentioned. So Netflix uh, gave the world, and I wrote an article, Netflix slimes the world with the Goop Lab, I watched all six episodes, which were just uh, atrocious, but this was the final episode and probably the worst because it was a 30-minute infomercial for psychic powers are real and for specifically Laurel and Jackson. The person to her, uh, her right is Dr. Julie Bichelle, and she's a doctor of toxology or something, but she runs a paranormal institute and has supposedly proven that not only mediumship is real, but telekinesis is and people can levitate. So here's a little conversation that Laurel and Jackson had with Gwyneth Paltrow.
0: If you ask for signs and messages, like really specific concrete ones from the other side, you will get them. You don't need a psychic medium to prove it to you. So wait, are we all psychic? We can all do this. And I think we all start out intuitive and we develop our psychic abilities. And my sense of it is, is the more you open and the more you develop, it's almost like the higher you're able to perceive or the louder your volume switches, and that kind of highest level or that highest energy is being able to perceive consciousness and spirit form and mm. be a
1: receptor of that. Wow.
2: Yep. Wow. Thanks, Gwyneth. So I asked Bob Nygaard to watch that episode and uh, to give his opinion of whether Gwyneth Paltrow knew what she was doing and you know taking money to uh, promulgate this belief structure that's going to hurt people. And this is what he said.
3: I wouldn't presume to know whether or not Gwyneth Paltrow understands the gravity of promoting self-proclaimed psychics, but I fear that Paltrow's The Goop Lab episode, Are You Into It?, will increase the likelihood of more vulnerable people being defrauded.
2: Um, And just to show this is not a new problem, this is a TED Talk from 2007 by the grandfather of modern skepticism, James Randi, talking about why does the media promote psychics? The business of believing in the
0: paranormal and the occult and the supernatural, all of this total nonsense, this this medieval thinking, I think something should be done about that, and it all lies in education. Largely, it's the media who are to blame for this sort of thing. They shamelessly promote all kinds of
3: nonsense of this sort because it pleases the sponsors. It's the bottom line, the dollar line.
2: Unfortunately, true. So what is the connection between I showed you the TV shows showing famous mediums doing their thing and the stuff I showed you earlier that, you know, uh, Mary Jo goes into her neighborhood psychic who winds up ripping her off for her life savings. Like, is there a connection at all? And John Oliver said what it was
3: because this surprisingly large often predatory industry relies on popular culture to lend it credence and validity to put it another way every time a psychic makes a grieving widow cry on dr. Oz 10 con artists get their wings
2: yeah and and there you go I'm glad he showed Dr. Oz (sighs) so This was my feeling on any and all media outlets perpetrating the public's belief in psychic powers have substantial bloodstains all over their hands. Uh, That was how I ended that article I showed you that I wrote for Skeptical Inquirer. Um, And of course, you know, after you turn off the TV, you go shopping, you see these in storefronts all over the place. You go to a bookstore and there are magazines and books and CDs and all sorts of things just promoting this like it's real. I was driving to a restaurant and I actually stopped and took a picture of this sign because this irked me. Uh, My high school, you know, high schools have fundraisers. So what did they do? They had a psychic fair. You know, what what better way to convince the students there that this is real than to do it right on their premises? Uh, In this day and age, of course, the Internet. I mean, you, you can't open a web page without seeing some kind of a pop-up pushing psychics Find the best online mediums of 2019. I actually got this in an email, free personal psychic reading. Just give me your email address. Um, if you want to read what I put there, I am gullible at gmail.com. And you claim a psychic reading. Of course, you'll never have to spend another dime, I'm sure. Um, this this one is very sad. And most of the stuff I showed you had to do with money, but this is just beyond. Uh, so... Uh, this was uh, on Quora, and uh, somebody wrote and said, "Hey, my son is diagnosed with a psychosis. He also hears messages from spirits and sea spirits. Do the two exist together, or is the psychosis, a, or is it, is it psychosis, or is it a gift he has?" And the person who answered this for uh, Quora, <sighs> this really hurts. Um, yeah, it's often the case that medical professionals diagnose psychosis when it is only that your son is clairvoyant and not suffering from mental illness at all. Uh, it's a common, it goes on, it's a common problem. He says, don't, don't give him antipsychotic drugs. And then someone else added a comment that said, hey, your son has a gift. My niece sees and talks to spirits, but doctors diagnosed her as having mental illness. We ran and never looked back. Very sad. Um, this is a recent article talking about the, what's happening during the pandemic. Fraudulent psychics are raking in the dough during this a pandemic. Um, and there's a little comment on the bottom. Many police officers look at psychic fraud as a joke, turning away people who report it. That's what I was telling you about before. So uh, this person, I don't really know her very well. She sings something about wet cats, I think. Uh, Cardi B It says you can add, she can add professional fortune teller to her resume as the WAP singer has teamed up with Instagram and Facebook to give psychic readings in 2021. So thank you, Cardi B, for not just sticking to your music career. And this is an AP story, a police chief's guidance to the grieving. Go see a medium. So this, this police chief has been convinced, so the AP interviewed him. And in the article, uh, it says basically, uh, this is a, a, one of his constituents, hey, I was a skeptic, but you know, basically I saw that the police chief believes it, so it must be real. And then there are the places which, you know, make a business of selling these products to people as well as teaching them to do it themselves. Uh, Our own Helen Green worked at the Spirit University and she'll sure be uh, happy to talk about that in the Q and A or later. Uh, And uh, she, uh, you know, pointed me at this place. So they do classes and workshops. They do all sorts of things. They have telepathy, tea leaves scrying which uh, Helen had described to me what it was, sand readings, flame journeys, flame card messages. And I looked at the facilitators they have listed there. This is not a small time outfit. Uh, this is, they have people on staff that give these presentations, uh, including Eben Alexander and Raymond Moody. One of those two wrote the book, I think Heaven is Real, because he was a neurosurgeon who had his own near-death experience. And I think it's Raymond Moody who actually coined the term near-death experience. So. One of the really important concepts here is that it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled afterwards. That is a quote attributed to Mark Twain. And, and, and that's the shame of this. Because once people believe this stuff, and all those biases we talked about before, uh, and, and you know human issues with not thinking straight about things uh, come into play, and it's very hard to convince them that they've been fooled. Um, there's a corollary to that statement. If you th- Think that you can't be fooled then you may actually be a fool but no mark twain did not say that that's just me another cartoon for eric to read there's a pet psychic that
0: is uh looking at a cat and the um pet owners pet parents are behind him just kind of worried and the pet psychic is touching the cat's head and said she's thinking how absurdly gullible you two are (laughs)
2: Oh, my. It looks like, so, a, uh, it looked
0: like a Vulcan kind of uh, mind meld right there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's grabbing on both sides of the head. Interesting. Uh, so, so what's being done about this? What are we trying to do to push back on this? So the skeptical movement uh, has been doing uh, stings. And one of the recent ones was called Operation Pizza Roll. and uh, We actually did a part one and two. So part one hit uh, medium Thomas John. He's the seatbelt psychic and this, the Thomas John experience, I showed you uh, his two shows before, we ran a sting against him. And it's sh- basically uh, Mark Edward, who's the Psychic Blues author and Susan Gerbic, who's uh, a- an author for Skeptical Inquirer and someone who investigates these people and does things uh, were plants in a public reading from Thomas John. Teams of people had put together faked Facebook uh, profiles with faked information Of people who never existed, never mind dying, and Mark and Susan went in there playing these roles and TJ called on them. Uh, Just We double-blinded this so that Susan and Mark were unaware of the details. They knew basically that they had a brother named this who died but they didn't know of what or they didn't know all the details. So the thing was details were presented to them by TJ that could have only been gotten if someone read the fake Facebook accounts because they couldn't have read their mind. You can't even say he has ESP because they didn't even know them. No one in the room knew them. So just so I don't get sued, I have to say, well, there's another option. Perhaps Spirits, TJ was in contact with, read the faked Facebook data and fed it to him because they're embarrassed uh, about him. They really don't like the guy. So this was such a big deal that it actually made the New York Times. New York Times Magazine, readership of millions of people uh, inside the secret sting operation to expose celebrity psychics. Are some celebrity mediums fooling their audience members by reading social media pages in advance? Uh, Yet yeah, a group of online vigilantes is out to prove it. So this was a big deal when this came out. Uh, of course, once it came out, you know it got reported on by a lot of places and Holy Kool-Aid in fact made a fantastic video I would highly recommend. And that's the name of it there, Thomas John, the seatbelt psychic busted for cheating because he, it's, it's better than reading the New York Times Magazine because it's a video with audio. He's got the recording of Susan and Mark's reading and Thomas John telling them things. At the same time, he shows what was on the Facebook pages. You know, it, it's really amazing. Um, and then people like uh, Pendulette, uh, you know, tweeted about it. It got, it got forwarded to Friendly Atheist. and Meta talked about it. Uh, showbiz talked about it. So this was big news. Uh, this was followed up on by the same group uh, about the same psychic. So in January 2020, Thomas John opened as the, the house show at Caesars Palace. So by the way, this was over a half a year after that New York Times Magazine article came out showing he, what he did, that he fraudulently got that information. Well, or the, the spirits gave it to him on purpose to embarrass him. But Caesars Palace still gave him a show. Um, The Las Vegas Society of Skeptics worked with Susan Garbick, attended many of his opening week shows to document and publicize what was going on. And Susan wrote the articles for Skeptical Inquirer to say how he was making it look like he was doing the real job in there. So interestingly, his show closed at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic just a few weeks after it started because I'll read this one. Town and Country Hotel, big sign. Psychic convention canceled due to unforeseen circumstances. Nobody saw it coming. So um, not not to be stopped by the pandemic, many of these psychics have gone online, and they now do Zoom meetings, just like we're doing a Zoom meeting. So recently, Thomas John did a spirit circle for children age 5 to 12, charging them $400 each for a very short reading of collectively a two-hour presentation. And the really interesting thing was um, the uh, aforementioned Susan Gerbick had gotten two of these people to be her plants. They were not, you know, the people they said they were, they had fake names and uh, Thomas John did not see it. He just read the information that was, you know, presented as if they were their, uh, the uh, their fake names. So there was a, a skeptical response to the spirit circle for children. The host of the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, neurologist, Steven Novella, who I quoted before, took on Thomas John on the science-based medicine website, a fantastic website, by the way, about anything regarding alternative medicine. And, it, and it, you know, it, it debunks that. But he covered this saying, it's disturbing when self-proclaimed psychic mediums insert themselves into the grieving process, especially when children are involved. Grieving children are a doubly vulnerable population and, and such an event can only be described as exploitative. There's also tremendous potential for harm. But you know that didn't work, it did, it did in fact go forward. So I wanted to give a little shout out to my organization. This is the uh, logo for our Wikipedia editing organization for the Gorilla Skeptics, GSAL. And so one of the things we do is once that stuff is in the news, the problem is you know, there's another news story the next day and, and it's kind of forgotten about. So Wikipedia is the way that we document it for posterity. It's uh, the fourth largest English website in the world uh, by by, uh, people who click on it. And right now there are over 6 million English articles. So uh, it's got billions of viewers, uh, more than the population of the earth, (laughs) either extraterrestrials, or it just means individuals click on it a lot, probably the latter. And here's uh, the uh, aforementioned Thomas John, the seatbelt psychic, the one who uh, was the uh, target of the successful sting operations. And uh, his Wikipedia bio, if anyone Googles it and gets his Wikipedia page, it says right there that he was caught. There's a lot of detail at the bottom. You see the operation pizza roll in the table of contents. Uh, it, it's a, you know very, very good information regarding what he actually represents and in fact there is an update the 2021 spirit communication event for children which just happened so we we added that Uh, and, and why this is important at the upper left you can see this is a google search for thomas john psychic and well you get his caesar's palace show and you get his own private website but then you get wikipedia both there and on the right side panel so you know, if someone doesn't really believe in it yet, but is oh, well, I wonder. If someone told me this guy's a really good medium, and he's for real. Let me read his Wikipedia page. Hopefully, that'll be enough for dissuading them from falling into his uh, his grips. So the other reason, besides people reading Wikipedia, the general population, uh, journalists use it a lot. So this person was writing an article, and she found the Wikipedia page. And uh, in this um, article, uh, Anushka Pinto, I believe, she tells the story. And she says that exposed John's use of social media in readings. Uh, And actually this is the picture on Wikipedia of Thomas John and Susan and Mark, because like, hey, they asked to take a selfie with him. And of course, he didn't know that they were, uh, uh, had false identities because like, he's not psychic. Uh, And so we actually, Susan and I uh, wrote separately to that journalist and she wrote back to us, uh, in fact, verifying that she had, did a Wikipedia search and read the uh, read the article. So that's why Wikipedia is important. And I'll show you one more, Tyler Henry, he's the Hollywood medium. So this was his article before, it's basically just two, three paragraphs before the references, nothing much except saying that he's got a show and he talks to dead people. Um, so, You know, we got a hold of it. And now it's paragraphs and paragraphs of, hey, he does cold reading and hot reading. And he won the Independent Investigations Group Truly Terrible Television Award. And uh, that's kind of important because you'll see, oh, by the way, he's got so many millions of views because he's got a very popular show. And you can see the spikes over time every time there's a new season of his show premiering. So this is further down in the Wikipedia article and you can see the term grief vampire highlighted uh, and and this is what Susan and Mark came up with that term to call um, mediums and I mention it because this is a USA Today sports article the uh, female fighter Ronda Rousey sat down with the Hollywood medium Tyler Henry and uh, this journalist could have made this a puff piece but they read the Wikipedia article and did it they reported that uh, he's, you know, at least he's been called the grief empire. They mentioned that he won the truly terrible television award and they quoted large parts of the Wikipedia article. So,
0: um, before you go forward, can you mm-hmm. maybe uh, expand on what, uh, what you mean by grief vampire? I mean, I know those two words and I can assume what the two of them are. Yeah. Together, yeah. yeah. But-
2: so yeah, it's because, because people who go to mediums uh, want to contact dead relatives generally, uh, and they're grieving and we're seeing the person who's taking advantage of them as being a vampire, but not wanting their blood, but living on their grief. Like uh, making a living off of their grief. Yep, exactly right. So what is this, and I'm getting towards the end here, by the way. So what is the skeptical community doing? Uh, In summary, we're running sting operations to expose these famous psychics and mediums. We're spotlighting their deception. We confront media outlets and others who promote the people for their own financial gain. And importantly, we document the results for posterity. So just doesn't leave when the next day's newspaper is printed using Wikipedia and other popular media, including YouTube. Um, So here's an interesting uh, quote from the, I mentioned Mark Edward before. He's the person who worked for the Psychic Friends Network and wrote the book, Psychic Blues. He says, I can't do much about the rottenness of the big picture, He was talking about like fraud when I interviewed him, it was you know talking about the presidential race and the situation of fake news all over the place. So I can't do much about the rottenness of the big picture, but I and others, I I work and know if I can put our best efforts into activism that exposes the lower spectrum of the lie culture, psychics and mediums, we can make a difference. So join the local grassroots skeptics group and do something. That was his admonition. And I will say what you can do, you can educate yourself on the subject and don't become a victim and share your knowledge with anyone you know who's at risk because they tell you they believe this stuff. So finally, let me leave you with some famous words. thank you for your attention
1: wow Rob. thank you, <laughs> thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah this was fantastic this was a uh, excellent thank you so so much
2: now you uh, don't have has... to go to you don't have to go to dragon con oh, unless you want to see like tv stars or something
1: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> does anybody else feel absolutely exhausted at the at what we've just watched like the stupidity of what you have shared with us to think and to think that people are sucked into that just makes my heart break. Yeah. Yeah. I I
2: don't like to use the word stupid. Uh, yeah, it, 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 as, as, as Nigar said in some of his quotes, it's just unfortunate because humans are, are fragile creatures. They're vulnerable. And these people make a living knowing how to do that. And and I I didn't show you another quote, but it's basically like these people, the mediums and psychics who, who are con artists, especially, some of them have never gone to even high school and yet they have a master's degree in psychological manipulation because it's been taught in their family how to do this. This is a family business in a lot of cases.
1: No,
0: I and see it seems point. like with both the cold reading, well, especially with the cold reading and a little bit with the hot reading, um, this trick somewhat hijacks our own uh, like uh, evolution, like the, the the parts of our brain um, to kind of believe in this stuff. Um, and it takes, it seems like it takes learning how to do it or, or that it exists um, to be able to identify it. But even though some really, really smart people have no idea what cold reading is and how easy it is to do and they're sucked, uh, drawn into it. So it, yeah, like I would agree with you, Rob. I don't see this as um, stupid uh, at all, but it's it's, uh, it's just a lack of understanding of what's going on behind the curtain. I think.
2: Yeah, un- unfortunately, as I mentioned, there's just not enough um, you know critical thinking uh, teaching going on in public schools, and at least in the United States. It's um, you know we learn facts, but you don't learn how to think. Basically. It's yes. Do you, do you think we could
0: actually get to how cold reading works by critically thinking about it? Or, I, I mean, it seems to me like this is something more has to be uh, taught uh, uh, than thought about.
2: Yeah, no, I'm talking about if there were courses given and these are the types of things that the human mind does not do well. And, and these are the yeah. pitfalls and the frailties. And, and this is one of the things, you know, scientific skeptics study and try to understand. And it just becomes very obvious that the average person does not get these things. You know, they think things like memory is infallible, Whatever mm-hmm. I see is real. I mean, I, had, I have a friend who had a near-death experience at 14. And she's 50-something or older now. And she says, you can't tell me what I saw then, what I remember about it is not real. There's nothing you can tell me. Well, yeah. you know, a scientific skeptic would say, well, first off, even what you thought, if I had a time machine and could talk to you when you woke up at 14 on the doctor's table, whatever you said wasn't necessarily really what happened in your head. And now certainly memory is fragile and it changes. Every time you think of a memory, it changes it in your brain. The chemistry changes it. That's a fact. So for her to say both of those things, she was substantively wrong in both of those things. But to her, she doesn't know that. She just thinks that's correct. Like she mm-hmm. she she witnessed something in her mind. She remembers what she thinks she remembers what it was. And in both cases, she's just wrong. But there's, there's no way of convincing her of that because she didn't have these courses up front. So she just think that's, thinks that's right. And there's no way to convince her otherwise. I,
0: um, I remember back when uh, my wife and I were first um, married and I wanted to believe uh, it was uh, I, I kind of discarded the stuff that uh, disproved it. But I only included the stuff that I thought would prove that um, psychics and uh, paranormal was real. And uh, my grandmother had a neighbor in the apartment complex she was living in who claimed she was a psychic. And at the time, uh, my wife and I were newly married. And uh, she knew this and was saying like, oh, uh, you two are going to have uh, five kids and um and my wife and i we were like not really wanting to have kids but we were considering adopting and i asked her leading questions I'm like well what do you mean like uh, uh, are they adopted and um she she responded uh well i see them as different races and i'm, I'm looking back on that i it was like t-ball for her (laughs)
2: yeah yeah the sad thing is how people can like change what they do the decisions they can make in life that change their whole life structure based on some person just making something up it's very sad
1: and i would imagine too that um, these ones are very skilled at reading those who might go in with a skeptical or a cynical view and that would affect the way they interact with them they could probably also read the those who are more inclined to be easily manipulated, or perhaps so inclined to be gullible. Whereas if, if we walk in, they may think straight away, we're not going to get anywhere with this person and push back. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. And and to, and to be clear, so, you know, I, I showed some of the notorious cases where the sums of money loss were huge, and these are clearly con artists, because, you know, I don't think that whoever it was, Priscilla DeMauro thought that she was really going to be transferring a, a demon into a Barbie doll. But, you know, so there, there are certainly people who believe they have these capabilities and don't, you know, go to the extent of those kinds of cases um, because of confirmation, personal confirmation bias. Like they're very good naturally cold reading and they get a lot of personal confirmation. Oh yeah, you're right about that. And they start mm-hmm. to believe they have these powers. Mark Edward was talking about that happening to him when he was on the Psychic Friends network. Uh, he knew he didn't have any powers, but things were going so well. It's like, wow, maybe I do. Even Harry Houdini, in the early days did that kind of thing and was wondering. Uh, it's It's a little spooky that that can happen to a person. So there are no doubt some people, I don't know what the percent is, who do believe that they can do these things, but still. So then you get the case where they're they're making up shit basically, and telling people what to do with their lives, and you know with no training or anything. And you know that can really just not be a good
1: thing. And that's an interesting point, Rob. Too, and I have a work colleague who, lovely person, but he calls himself an empath and, and attributes his abilities to to uh, spirits to be able to help him. Um, when the reality is he's probably just a person who really feels for others and, and is very keen to to be a nice person to others but he's quick to attribute it to a spirit rather than just to his ability to be a, a kind-hearted human who's empathetic rather than an empath with the spiritual exactly. of spirit gift
2: exactly right before the pandemic started we were at a uh, we were guests at the head table of the musician of a Woodstock concert, a recognition concert, anniversary concert. And a woman sat next to us who was also a guest. So we didn't want to make any trouble, but uh, she gave a card to my wife saying she was a psychic medium. And my wife didn't want to tell me because she didn't know how I would handle that. But she was, oh, your husband seems really nice. And it was kind of funny because I'm sitting three feet away from her and she wasn't getting the the correct vibes from me. (laughs) So the whole time she just thought, Oh, you know, we'd get along good. Then she tried to get my wife to be a friend. And so we'd like, you know, see each other. It's like, yeah, she really wasn't psychic. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: Rob, I'm sure that Sasha and I, and uh, you can share stories all night, but we have a lot of questions that uh, were actually asked during um, this, uh, this presentation. Um, You got some time for some questions. Absolutely. I'm here. Great. um, One of the first questions we got, which I think is a really good one is, how do people learn how to become psychic?
2: Oh, I, I doubt there's one way, but interestingly, uh, so, so this is from the experience of the detective Bob Nygaard. Uh, he, he's very adamant not to be called a racist, but he says the majority of people who he takes down are of the Romani people. Formerly they would have been called gypsies. And apparently it's a big thing in the culture uh, clearly, I'm not saying everyone from that culture is, but it's a big thing in the culture to do this. And and he's the one who said grandmothers teach mothers, and mothers teach kids, and they don't even go to school, and they just learn to do this to make a living. And interestingly, it's his contention that the women do that, and the men do more physical scams, like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna come and I don't know, give me a five thousand dollar deposit, and I'll put a roof on your house, and then they never mm-hmm. show up, things like that. Uh, so. At least to some extent, it's generational. You know, I, I have no idea what the proportion would be. But 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 as I showed, the place where Helen used to work, the Spirit Academy, Spirit University, uh, yeah, they, they teach people to do it. You can go and pay them hundreds of dollars and take courses in it and learn to do it yourself. So, uh, we have actually another question
0: that um, sort of flows kind of right into uh, this. Um, we had you had pointed out uh, earlier that um, there's a heavy gender bias um, for uh, folks who pay for the services of psychics. Is there a similar gender bias for those who pick up this trade and, and um, claim to be psychics? Yeah, is it mostly women or is it mostly men? Or yeah, I mean, if
2: you've you noticed, all seven people I mentioned were women, and, and that does seem to be the case. Interestingly, the f- more famous ones, it's more mixed. And in fact, I would almost argue are more male. I don't have any explanation for that. Tyler Henry, Thomas, John, Mark Edward, uh, von Prague, it goes on and on. I mean, I can name a few women, but not many. I don't know why that is.
1: Hmm. What um, you mentioned, and you showed a whole lot of videos throughout there from television shows or um, performances in front of large audiences, what part does um, group think or peer pressure play in these uh, interactions? Yeah.
2: So so yeah, someone someone corrected me in the chat. I think it's the famous Susan Gerbic. I think I said uh, I said Mark Edward instead of John Edward. Sorry, Susan. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. So please ask that again.
1: Uh, Yeah. No problem. Yeah. What part does peer pressure play or groupthink play when people might want to be um, might want to believe that you know, uh, and they're in front of an audience and a crowd and and the. Person is asking, oh, yeah, questions yeah, yeah,
2: of them. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's probably equivalent to I've heard the stories where people are, you know, go to a congregation where you're supposed to speak in tongues and you're getting to the age where you should do that. And then they, I think Matt Delahunty even said, you know, uh, by the way, that was Matt hunty and I don't know if people got that. Ah. I first, the first uh, vocal, he was doing a debate, the, the first voiceover I had in slide number one, I think. Uh, yeah. So if so Matt says, you know, people say, well, I don't know what to do. I can't talk in tongues. They just fake it till you make it. So it certainly is a possibility. Um, I, I, I've i heard from people in these uh, settings that people will say yes to things that's like very on the edge or maybe even wrong because they don't want to be seen as contradicting the, the medium up on stage. But I've also seen presentations where um, now this is John Edward, where he, he told something to an audience member who kept saying, no, that's not right. No, that's not right. And he started haranguing her that, well, you're just not getting it. Of course that's right. You know? And it was like, he was such an amazing uh, I'll use the word douche because this is what um, the episode name was. I think it was, a, it was South park. who did an episode, the biggest douche in the universe and they gave the mm-hmm. award to Mark Edward. And I'm pretty sure that had to do with it because he, he's just so condescending that he's making up shit. And if you don't agree with him, you're the bad person.
0: (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, I'll
0: I'll be um, perfectly frank. I uh, went and saw James Van Praa and I've got a few of his, uh, might have been a cassette thing too back then, but, I saw him, and he was doing this thing where he would um, call up people who have died and do like, oh, is there a J, uh, an M, M-M, something. And I was in the audience, and I so wanted, I really, really wanted him to call on like one of my and like oh like one of my grandparents or or uh you know a great great grandmother that i only knew a little bit can can she talk to james van praan and i really really wanted it to happen and i kind of walked away disappointed that it didn't happen one of the the amazing things he did looking back on it is like we took a break and he comes back on stage when we're done and he says you know these dead people they just can't leave me alone i was at the urinal and i had two people talking to me and and uh is there someone out there blah 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 He it was it was an amazing show if if uh if it was if i didn't
2: take it so seriously at the time (laughs) oh so i did it again yes i don't know i don't know i think mark just needs to change his last name
1: is there also instead of john edward is there also an element of an appeal to authority you've got people standing there perhaps vulnerable or susceptible to the leadings of these this person who is a celebrity who has authority in their mind who has credibility and therefore any doubts that they might have they, they're put down because well the authority has said it who am I to question it is that
2: yeah and, and, and probably that I would think so and probably also the uh you know motivated reasoning comes in uh the 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 thing i talked about before basically they've already spent a lot of money to be in the audience and you know they don't want to admit they were stupid for doing that so there could be a lot of reasons why people go along with it but i mean in in a large part i think it's the fox Mulder poster you know i want to believe right Uh, i i personally know people in my life One person who told me when I was arguing these things with him, and wasn't even religious, said, Rob, if you take this away from me, I have nothing to live for. I I was like blown away by that, and I stopped the conversation. But like, really? You know, he was talking about, you know, alien bases on the moon and reptilians and astral projection. And that was enough for him to have those feelings, that it's so important that he has this understanding of this reality he sees that the conventional science says doesn't exist, that if I change his mind on that, it's going to put him in a deep depression as a minimum. That's just very sad. So that's, that's the, I want to believe thing. And I've had callers to RFR telling me that about the religion, right? You know, I'm having doubts, but I want to believe. And then we talk about that. Well, you know, if you want to believe that's, that's a problematic beginning point to understanding the truth.
1: And yet it's not the, um, taking away of those beliefs that causes that person sadness or can put them into a, a depression. It's the fact that they believed false things to begin with. The, the The blame is actually at the feet of those false beliefs, not the fact that we might help reason them out of those beliefs. So yeah.
2: yeah no disagreement there.
1: We had some more questions from um, from people in the chat. Thank you for all those. Um, And, and I think we have to acknowledge that a lot of Ones who might go into this field might do it with genuine motives to try and help people. They may have an honest heart when they think that they have a gift that they're sharing. So, do psychics generally believe in what they're portraying?
2: I've heard two different tacks on that. Um, some people would say none of them do, uh, and other people give it, you know, there's a percent. And, and I honestly don't know what that is. I've personally met several who I I was convinced actually believed it. Uh, This was in in, an in-person at someone's house, a small gathering, and it turns out that two of the people were ghost hunters or in ghost hunting teams, and they also considered themselves psychic mediums. And uh, one of them, we talked a little while, but they left. And the other one stayed for about an hour. And, and we were talking in depth about her abilities and why she believes she has them and why she believes these things are real. Uh, she doesn't charge people. It's not her big thing. She just helps friends occasionally if a message comes through. So it doesn't seem like she's doing it in any way to scam anyone. And you know, it seemed to me like she did believe it. And it was probably all confirmation bias, in my opinion, that she just decided that, you know, she was doing so good at it, it has to be real, essentially.
0: We got uh, time for two more questions. And the next one is uh, psychics and law enforcement. Um, From what I understand, and uh, what this uh, person who asked the question understands is, every now and then, uh, uh, psychics are used by law enforcement to help solve crimes. And if I recall, Cynthia Brown was
2: infamous for, for doing that. Sylvia Brown.
0: Sylvia, what did I say?
2: Cynthia. Cynthia. It's not as bad as me saying John Edwards and Mark Edwards (laughs) (laughs) all the time. All right. By the way, apparently I I misrepresented Mark too because Susan posted again. Mark Edwards wants to make clear that even when he was working in the psychic world, meaning uh, Psychic Friends Network, he was on the editorial board of Skeptic Magazine and he's been in the skeptic world since the 70s. Just to put that out there publicly. yes. Mm -hmm. That's true.
1: Thank you. Um, So in your opinion,
0: would you like me to read the reread the
2: question (laughs) yes i'm sorry but it was about psychic detectives i guess
0: uh law enforcement's use of psychics uh to solve
2: crimes yeah what what about uh
0: is this is this something that is very really common or um not as common or is no does it actually work
2: I mean, I can't. Well, it doesn't work. I, I can't say that none of them have, but all the major ones is actually a Wikipedia article about psychic detectives, and you can read it. And there's a section there where it talks about. I think that might be one of the links I gave. Uh, it actually talks about you know large agencies which have come out with public statements that we do do not use psychics in in detective work. Please stop you know contacting us.
1: I know it was big in the 70s, the satanic panic that swept the world or swept the states. And we had that inclination to, to think that we could use these ones, or law enforcement could use these ones. But the reality you're saying is that it very rarely actually did happen. It just right. made the and, headlines.
2: And, and the cases where, you know, supposedly they helped, uh, as far as I understand that those are in like, you know, books written by those people to promote themselves. Right. And, and anytime I've read a, a specific description Uh, Benjamin Radford did an evaluation of that not too long ago, and maybe Susan can put it in the chat if she can find it. Um, But he did an evaluation of uh, a famous one who said she was a psychic detective. I think the story was Benjamin Radford, who's um, he's an editor for Skeptical Inquirer and he's a paranormal investigator himself on the skeptical side, and um, he he was on. Let's see, I think he was on a talk show, and basically he he asked the host to give your best psychic detective evidence. And the the, the talk show host mentioned this detective who had a book. And then he just tore it apart, Benjamin Radford, when he went through the book. And it's like, you know, she's making stuff up or this never happened or whatever. So, you know, if you read one of these people's books, it's just them saying so.
1: Mm -hmm. So, What are your thoughts then about the portrayal of psychic powers in, in works of fiction, books, movies, entertainment? How do you feel about that?
2: Well, um, you know, I also, I, I like things with, um, you know, the force and uh, supernatural things like that. Personally, uh, I'm a little worried that in fact, sometimes it does convince people that these things are real, but, you know, what can I say? It's fiction and people should learn in school that fiction is fiction and reality should be reality. Unfortunately, I do think you're, the implication of your question is correct that some people, uh, you know, don't understand the difference.
0: All right, and then we'll wrap up with one more question. I lied when I said two. Um, what do you think would be one of the best ways or a couple of best ways for us to kind of raise awareness about this or even
2: deal with some folks who uh, do believe this?
1: Yeah, how can we help them?
2: Yeah, so one of the things we try to do is definitely not blame the victims. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we have been contacted by people uh, who say, hey, uh, you know, I've, I've been taken advantage of or I, maybe I have or please explain, I, you know, I, I went to a reading, it seemed accurate, my grandson came through or whatever. And we do try to help them by pointing them to the information that's out there, you know, either historically or the stuff on Wikipedia or the current articles we're writing about these people. Uh, but it is a it is a hard thing. Uh, I'm a member of a Facebook group, which uh, has a mix of believers and not in, in this phenomenon. and. Some of them will not listen to any challenges on anything. So I'll try to say this again. John Edward is mentioned there and, you know, somebody will say, oh, he's absolutely real because, you know, X, Y, and Z, I went to a reading. And then we'll put all this information about, you know, you know, probably not. This is how we believe he does what he does. And he's made these wrong calls before and whatever. And they go, you're just a skeptic. I'm not going to read that. So that's a problem. Um it, it, it's it's the line that that I quoted from, uh, attributed to uh, to Mark Twain is, you know, it, it's it's harder to convince somebody that they've been uh, fooled than to fool them, and and we just have to get ahead of them being fooled, and that's why it's very yeah. important to teach people at a young age uh, about these things so they don't fall into the grips of these people, uh, and then it'll be too late.
1: Thank you. And I want to apologize for using the term stupid um, earlier. It's not appropriate. And of course, if we attack people, that's only going to make them dig their heels in perhaps to a set of beliefs that, that we want to try and help reason them out of not not make them fall into. So yeah, treating people with kindness, I suppose.
2: Yeah. I, and one of the links that's in the uh, the announcement for this, and it probably was put in the chat somewhere, is actually Susan's column in Skeptical Inquirer where she has article after article where she delves into this thing in great detail.
0: Uh Rob, thank you so, so much. I went ahead and did drop the resources that you provided into the chat and uh, both here and in the Atheist Community Discord. This was a fantastic talk and I really, really appreciate it. Recovering from Religion is a non-profit organization whose mission it is to provide hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. Hope Healing and Support is waiting for you on our website, recoveringfromreligion.org. There you can speak or chat with a trained agent who will work with you through your struggles and doubts or to help find resources that may work for you. You can also find local Recovering from Religion support groups in your area for the long-term recovery work. Resources specifically curated for those struggling with doubts, disbelief, and trauma can also be found on the RFR website. To connect with a secular therapist in your area, go to seculartherapy.org and create an account. If you'd like to support the work that RFR does, you can donate or sign up as a volunteer on the Recovering From Religion website. It's also a big help subscribing to the RFR YouTube channel, our blog, or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be emailed to us at rfrx at Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll be with us next time on the Recovering from Religion podcast.